what I'll do I'll show you a better way I'll give you grace I'll give you grace When you're weary from the journey Grace sufficient for each trial that you face I won't remove this thorn from you Oh, but this is what I'll do I'll show you a better way I'll give you grace We are, we are absolutely thrilled that you have come to join us in worship here at Community Bible Baptist Church. Would you stand to your feet if you're able? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the church house. Sing this song, sing it loudly in unity. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, sing. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. And the morning grace eternal bright and fair When the saint of earth shall gather over on the other shore And the rose caught up yonder I'll be there When the rose is caught up yonder I'll be there When the rose is caught up yonder I'll be there When the rose is caught up yonder When the rose is caught up yonder That bright cloud this morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share. When his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the sky and the roll is called of yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called of yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called of yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called of Your neighbor and say, I can't hear you. We're singing one of the classics, and I can't hear you. Lift your voice in this place. Come on, Christian, sing. Let us labor for the master from the dawn to setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then, when all the life is over and our work and earth is done, and the road is falling yonder, I'll be there. verse 3. Let's have those lyrics back on the screen. Please let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Acapella all four parts, all five parts, whatever part you want to sing. Let's sing together. Here we go. Let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done and the roll is called up yonder I'll be dead.
some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away. Let's put our hands together. Ready? Here we go. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, church say amen right there i'm <clears throat> glad to be back i haven't uh, missed for sickness in quite a while but last week i thought i was about to fly away and uh, just miserable got a little touch of the flu and it uh, took me about six days to kind of get over it and i'm sweating profusely right now so uh that song almost killed me thank you brother john appreciate it but uh, it is so good i was getting dressed to come this morning to make her first service back but uh, as she got into it she called and Doctor said maybe one more week just to kind of get all the way through. But she wants to thank you all for your love and kindness. You've been so great to us, uh, meals and support and help. And we're so grateful. Could never have gone through uh, the uh, surgery and then all the sickness. Quinn and I both under the weather and appreciate so very, very much uh, all of you guys that have stepped up and helped us uh, tremendously. It's been wonderful. And we thank you very, very much. Uh, that kind of attitude, Brother John, sets the table for tonight. Tonight, we have the Old Time Preachers Quartet with us, and they're going to be a great service. Those guys are wonderful, and we love them. So we'll be here at 6 tonight, great music, preaching a message on uh, you and your decapolis. You and your decapolis, you need to be back tonight. And they're going to kind of tie it in to Thursday night. Brother Allen, I heard you had a tremendous Thursday night with uh, Brother Jason, his testimony, great crowd of people here. And I'm going to tie that, those two things together tonight after the music. So 6 o'clock night, be in your place. But let's have a great service this morning. And it's always good to see you. Always good to have guests and visitors. My friends from Carolinas are here. And I'm so thankful every season they come down for vacation. And always glad to have them. They bring a spirit of energy and excitement. We're glad to have them visiting. Anybody else first time or first time in a long time? Hold your hand up. Just want to give you a card. Good to see you, dear lady. Very brave to be on the front row. And... Uh, if you will hold your hand up, they'll give you a card. Take that card out to the Welcome Center, and they will give you a goodie bag. And thank you for being right here, Brother Chad, right on the very front row. Thank you. And uh, if you'll turn that card in out there, they'll give you a welcome back. 
I saw Brother Dory. Were you here last week while I was gone, Brother Dory? So, so I, missed, I missed the big hum, Dory hum, the hunky Dory homecoming. Isn't it good to have Brother Dory and Hunky back? Amen. Well, life, life's better right there. As Brother Jim Morton says, I'm better already having Brother Dory and Hunky back in the choir. So we praise the Lord for that. Continue to pray. So many folks going through some things. Danny, how are you back there? Good to see Danny visiting uh, all the way down from Atlanta. And we love her very much. And so thankful for her and her family. Look like some family back there as well. And I love them very much. Good to see you. So, so good to see you. Love you much. Let's pray together. Father, it is good to be in your house this morning with the people of God, Lord, and just excited. Lord, we're so thankful that you can, Lord, speak to us through your word. It is the uh, ever-living word of God. It's new. It's fresh every day, every morning. And God, today I pray as we open the book and preach and, Lord, we hear, I pray, Lord, we respond. I pray you'd help somebody this morning that's far from you to draw close to you. I pray you'd help the Christian to encourage and be strengthened. Lord, I pray for those that are sick. I do pray for Valerie, of course. Lord, just lift her up. Traveling, Lord, those on the road, I pray you'd bring them home to us safely. Those that have great need, I pray, God, they'd find the need met today through the preaching, the singing, the ministering, whatever it may be, of the Word of God. Bless the choirs they sing. Bless the preaching, the reading of the text. Every part of this service, be pleased with it, we pray. God, we're so grateful, we're so humble that you would even choose to use us in the first place. But God, we're so thankful. Bless now this service. Bless now this time. In Jesus' name, amen.
Rusty Goodman wrote the songs to this next song that we're about to sing. And I want you to rejoice in the fact that Christ loves you. If you know him as your personal Lord and Savior, you don't have to be the person that you used to be. You're not going to where you used to go. You've been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad he was willing to drink this bitter cup. Although he prayed, Father, let it pass from me. Oh, I'm glad he didn't call heaven's angels from my hands, pull these nails that torment me. And here's the chorus to this wonderful song. Oh, oh, had it not been for a place called Mount Calvary, had it not been for the old rugged cross, had it not been for a man called Jesus, then forever my soul would be lost.
Thank you, choir. My goodness, wonderful thoughts. Both of those thoughts, first of all, our anchor holds. Our anchor is steadfast and sure, no matter what's going on around us. And, of course, our anchor is the Lord Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's stand together. Turn your attention to the screen. Brother John, you lead us another song. Choir finds you out where you're going to go. Not sure exactly. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Let me tell you something. If you don't know him as Savior, you're missing the greatest experience of your life in this life, but it's the only hope you have in the life to come. Listen to the words of the song. Seeking you as a precious. 
Taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name. You are my only When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my be seated. Find Genesis this morning in your Bible, the book of Genesis. You cannot find Genesis. Go to the front and just hang a right and you'll stumble across it. In fact, I'm going to make it very, very easy this morning. I want you to find the first chapter in Genesis, Genesis chapter number one. And we'll start a brand new series this morning entitled Your Family Matters. How many of you remember the old, the old TV show Family Matters? This has nothing to do with that, all right? But uh, your family matters. And uh, I want you to begin uh, Genesis 1, and we're going to talk about the first three letters of the word your. We're going to say this, you matter. You matter. And uh, we, we'll, we'll see if we can help this morning. It's so good to have each of you here today visiting and let me just say this, my wife has sent me several text messages to uh, go easy, to preach short, uh, to, not go, to not go, a lot of my friends from the Carolinas want us to, to get out so they can get back to vacationing, you know, so I promise this morning, just due to health and other things, it'll be a brief message. I'm going to name this one. 
wonderful. I love it. We're going to have a contest. We're going to let the church name that group right there. We're going to let you send in names for that, that mixed ensemble. I've got a couple of ideas right off the top of my head. I won't share them publicly, but that was wonderful. That was great. I didn't, brother, uh, I didn't know Richard could sing. I didn't think anybody that looked like that could sing that good. What a blessing. I knew Anita would be wonderful. I didn't know Richard could sing. What a blessing. That's great. All right. Genesis chapter 1. Begin reading verse number 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26. God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the uh, and every tree in the which uh, is the fruit of a. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm reading that incorrectly. Uh, let me read that again. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, where in there is life, I have given every green herb and for meat. And it was so, and God saw everything that uh, he had made, and behold, it was very good. The evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, I want to begin this series on your family matters. But I really want to begin with the first three letters of that first word, you matter. You matter. Uh, it's interesting to me now, after 25 years of ministry, uh, working with young people, uh, I find that when they come to me and they want to talk to me about dating and marriage and all that, they always have lists. They have lists. What they're looking for. Uh, they're looking for this in a mate. It's interesting. I've read some of the lists. My favorite, my favorite list was by a young man. And I won't give you his name because that would just not be right. It'd be funny, but it wouldn't be right. But uh, 
uh, he came to me and he said, uh, he, we're still in college years ago, and he said, I'm going to marry uh, this type of girl, and, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do, and he had timelines and dates and everything. And, and I said, well, uh, so-and-so, I said, who are you dating? He said, well, I'm not dating anybody. He said, this is just my plan. I said, well, I think you ought to start dating somebody before you make a plan. But I've seen lists, and I've seen some of the young ladies in our church, some of the young men, some of the young men, bless their heart, they've got more lists than some of the young ladies. Uh, got to be this tall or this uh, tall. They got to be uh, this size or this size. They got to have uh, this or that. They can't be that. Oh, my goodness. They can't do that. And I'm looking at some of the lists, and I'm thinking, honey, you better shorten that list a little bit if there's any hope, because the man you're looking for, Miss Valerie, married him a long time ago, all right? All right? It's, it's all taken care of. It's, it's interesting to me. We're looking for this, and we're thinking, what am I going to get? Here's a better question. What am I going to give? What, what is that person going to get when they get me? See, here's the thing. You can't control them. Oh, but you can certainly work on you. And the problem we have, and, and that's dating. Now you skip ahead to marriage counseling. Brother Stan, so our marriage would be great if he... Brother Stan, so our marriage would be wonderful if she... And then we get a laundry list of all the problems, never with me, but always with he or she. If they would do this, or they would fix that, or they would get here. Uh, I had a lady one time came to me, and she was a believer. And she said, oh, if I could get my husband in church. And, and bless the Lord, he got in church and got wonderfully saved and got involved and, and began to sing in the choir and began to work and, and serve. And, and she came back and she said, uh, he's in church too much. She wanted him not to go to hell, but she didn't want him to get too far into this church thing. List. What am I going to get? How about what am I going to give? And so when I was thinking about where to start in family matters, I, I could start about husbands and wives and children and, and, and all the different things, and we'll look at some of that over the next several weeks. But you know where we need to start? We need to start where you are. You, are. you say, preacher, I'm, I'm, I'm single, I'm married, I'm widowed, I'm whatever. Wherever you are is where you are, and that's where you ought to be working. Because it doesn't matter about who you're going to be with, whether just friends or even in some kind of relationship. It matters of what kind of person you are in comparison to what kind of person God wants you to be. And so I was thinking about that, and again, I was thinking about so many wonderful places to begin this study. And I thought, well, you know, there was one guy that kind of had it made. There was one guy that didn't have anything that he could complain about. No, no friends to drag him down. No environment because he was in a perfect environment. Uh, no mother-in-law, say amen right there. I mean, he didn't have anything to complain about. And I began to think about the one you in the Bible that really was the pattern, the picture. It was Adam. Adam, before there was an Eve, Adam, before there was a, a, a sin, before there was a curse, Adam was God's first creation. And God gave Adam, what I believe, several principles 
that you and I have really, out of necessity, need to apply in our lives. Because it doesn't matter about her or about him if you, if I, am not right. I still say this, and, and you, you can agree with me or not, but, but it'd be well to be in agreement. Your biggest problem has never been about anybody besides you. You and I, when we look in the mirror in the morning, at the face that we make up or shave, that's still the biggest problem we get. By the way, something funny happened this week to me. Uh, I was brushing my teeth, and I went to wipe out some, some uh, toothpaste out of my beard, only it wasn't toothpaste, it's just my beard now. It's, it's, I'm thinking, it won't go away. I was, I was, I, anyway, that was not important. Well, you probably shouldn't preach on medicine. I don't know. You never know what you say. And by the way, let me just do this. How many of you had a list or you have a list? Anybody brave enough to say you had a list? I know one girl back there better raise her hand because I'm going to knock her out of the park if she don't. All right. Number one, I want you to notice, look at verse number 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. You know, the first thing that God gave Adam was a role. The first thing that God gave Adam was a role. He said, Adam, you are going to have dominion. And that word dominion is a wonderful word. It's a strong word. The word dominion means sovereignty. It means to rule or to reign. It means to govern. Now, Adam, before there's anything else going on around you, you are going to have dominion over this creation. You're going to have dominion over, at this point, the creation that God had already put in place and then later what would come. But, Adam, you're going to have a role. You are going to uh, be in charge. You're going to rule, to reign. You are going to govern. Now, I began to think about that and begin to look at that. And I began to think about some principles later that we find in the Word of God about governing. And I realized this, that when you govern others, the first person you must govern is yourself. And what the Lord spoke to my heart about was Adam's first role was self-control. Self-control. Uh, to govern yourself. To govern yourself, because if you can't watch this govern yourself, you'll never govern others. If you can't lead yourself, you'll never lead others. And I began to look about that, and I thought about the role of dominion, the role of sovereignty, the role of ruling. Adam had a role that God gave him that said, you know what, Adam, you need to be responsible for yourself. You know, it's not long, and we'll get to it later, maybe in chapter 3. You know what Adam did the first time he got in trouble? He shifted the blame to Eve. Blame shifting has now become an Olympic sport. Oh, it's not my fault. It's, it's not my fault. I, look, I, I didn't do that. Uh, the reason, I, look, I may have, okay, look, okay, watch. Okay, 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 okay. I might have done it, but I would have never done it if it wouldn't have been for what they did, what she did, what he did. And, and all of a sudden, we don't say me, it's always they. And it doesn't matter, by the way, if they were 30, 40, 50 years ago, it's still their fault. Uh, uh, sir, why'd you rob the bank? Well, I was potty trained wrong. 
I didn't have love as an infant. Sir, you're 55. I know it's really affecting me now. You say, preacher, that's, that's, a, that's a terrible, that's a, that, but, but here's the deal. We don't govern ourselves because, watch this, we don't take responsibility for our actions. Self-governing means this, when I do something, I own it. Watch this, we say this all the time. When you look at David and you look at Saul, you find two men that were both deeply flawed. Deeply flawed, and yet... David is a man after God's own heart. Saul is rejected and, and the kingdom is stripped from him. Why? Because when Saul was confronted of his sin, Saul said, the people, the people did that. The people were causing trouble and I had to act on the people's behalf. When David was confronted, David said, it's me. It's me. I did it. And so God could work with David. God could say to David, David, repent, uh, pay the price. Now you've got to deal with the consequences, pay the price for this, but repent. But God could not work with Saul because Saul would not take his own blame. I was in high school. I should not tell these stories, but it's the only story I got that fits this particular situation. I may have told it before, but um, I was in high school and I went to a Christian school. I went to Christian school in my life. And I was in a Christian school with lots of rules in a Christian school. And we need to have rules in a Christian school. And uh, I had a girlfriend, junior in high school, and our lockers were next to each other in the, in the Christian school. And one day um, in the Christian school at the lockers, in between classes, while we were getting books, I may have leaned over and greeted her in a spiritual manner. Because the Bible says, greet one another with the holy. Always, that's my favorite part of the Bible right there. Amen. And uh, opened the door of the classroom. I need to see Mr. Stansfield. I need to see Miss. Took us to Mr. Jennings. Mr. Jennings was our principal. And uh, we're sitting there. You know, your kids, 16, 70 years old. You're sitting there at the principal's desk. And you're sitting there. And, and he said, Brent, he said, uh, uh, it's been said that you leaned over and did this. And. And uh, I said, yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, he said, and he called the girl's name. And he said, uh, you, you did this? She said, no. And me and Mr. Dean both went. <laughs> and I said, I said, and I called her my name. I said, look, we've done that so many times. It's just a miracle. We just now got caught. I said, I did it. You know I did it. We did it. We, we right there at the locker. I'll show you again if you want me to, you know. <laughs> she looked at me. She looked at me. Not him. Looked at me straight now and said, didn't do it. I said, Mr. Jennings, I don't know what she's talking about, but I did it. He said, Brent, you got three days in school suspension. Now, what that meant is as a junior... I had to go down to like the second grade and sit in one of them little desks for three days and do my work. It's all right. She was a cute teacher. I, that's fine. They, the girl got suspended. Now, I'm, I'm not, the, 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 rest of story, the rest of the story has no humor at all. But here I am preaching today some 30 plus years later. I called her sister one day. And I said, what, whatever happened to her? And he said, Brent, you would not know her 
to look at her. She is not the same person that we remember as children. And her sister will not to this day talk to me about what's happened other than to say her life has been so destroyed. See, here's the thing. You have responsibility for you. You have dominion. And you cannot, no matter how awful, and God knows my heart, I hate some of your stories. Some of your stories are awful, and you've been through it, and I get it. But you cannot spend the rest of your life not taking responsibility. Because God has said, you have a role. And that role is to govern. And when good comes in your life, you govern well. And when bad comes in your life, you govern well. But you have dominion over your life. And God has made it so that if God has ever taken anybody through the fire, God will take you through the fire. God has, any, has ever done anything for anybody. He'll do a few. So number one, Adam had a role. What was that role? To govern himself. Sovereignty. Number two, quickly, Adam was given a responsibility. And the Lord God took man. This is in chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress and keep it. Now, you say, preacher, this is kind of an easy job. Uh, there's no curse, therefore there's no weeds, there's no trouble. Uh, everything should be kind of well. What, what is the deal? Even though uh, God had given Adam a perfect environment, he did not want him to be idle. He did not want him to be just kind of sitting around in the state of innocence. In fact, one writer says this. He says, the idle state of a sinless man is not one of indolence without responsibility. Work and duty belong in the perfect state. To tend is the idea uh, to dress, to dress. It's the idea uh, to serve it's the idea to minister. Now, friend, I don't know, and you don't know, and I don't think anybody in the world can give you an idea of what it meant for Adam to serve. But I believe that God put Adam in that garden, and God gave Adam everything in that garden. And he said, now, Adam, this is your ministry. This is your service. This is what you are to do. You are to give your life to making what I've given you even better. To serve, to minister. And then he said this, he said, not just to serve or to dress, but to keep, which is the word secure. The word means to guard, to protect, to attend, to look narrowly after, to observe, to preserve, to regard, to save, to wait, to watch. He said, now, Adam... You, you invest in what I've given you. You serve here, but you also make sure it's protected. You make sure it's secure. Adam had two responsibilities, to serve and to secure. God, in his foreknowledge, knew the tempter would come. God, in his foreknowledge, knew that danger was on the horizon. When I think about my responsibility, 
I have a responsibility to minister, to serve, to take that God has given me and to, to put my life into it. And whether it's my home or our church or, or, or the mission in Haiti or wherever it is, whatever God has given me, I am to, to serve that and to minister and to work and to labor. But I am also to guard, to protect, to keep an eye out, to be wary Preacher, you can tell the church, and our retired preachers can tell our church, every church is one or two decisions from disaster. I can, I can take you church after church, family after family, home after home, life after life, individual after individual, that things were going good for God, great for God. They were going forward for God. But one or two decisions, all of a sudden, everything falls apart. Adam's role was to govern. Adam's responsibility was to pour his life into that garden. Adam was an expert. I'll show you something in a moment that I think will help you. It's really been a blessing to me to meditate on. But Adam must have been an expert in everything. Whether it was animal, plant, life, nature, whatever it was, uh, Adam just must have been absolutely as close to the mind of God as a human could ever have been. And God said, protect it, secure it. And then God, because he knew, he God, gave, uh, God gave Adam a rule. Adam had a role to govern. Adam had a responsibility to minister, to serve, to secure. But Adam also had a rule. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, verse number 16, of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat, uh, freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now, I read this as a child. I read this for most of my life until I got a little older and, and into school. Uh, and I, I always thought Adam ate of the tree and didn't die. Because Adam kept living and living and living. But then I realized, oh, dear friend, Adam did die. The moment Adam disobeyed God, God gave that immortal, eternal life, and God shut that off. Adam had not died immediately, but he was going to die. And from Adam, all men have died because of Adam's sins entered the world, and that death by sin, that death is possible to all men, that every one of us will die the same death that Adam died because of his disobedience. Adam had one rule, that tree right there. That tree. Now, all these other trees, everything else. You say, well, man, if I'd have been in the garden, I wouldn't have done it. Look, you're a liar. Because, because if I say don't sit in the back, y'all are going to go sit in the back. And then if I said the next week don't sit in the front, y'all are going to sit in the front. Because it's just in us to do what we're told not to. Now, now, now look, children, little two-year-old child, you can play with all these toys. Just don't touch that light socket. Okay. <laughs> and you can do all of them. Just don't touch that one place. Right there. You got this whole room. And buddy, like a beeline. Yeah. And I'm telling you, just don't do that one thing. You know what's interesting to me? Rebellious people struggle against rules. They're grievous. They're hard. They're, they're on their list. At, dealing with Christian school for the last 15, 20 years, 
The rebellious kids are always talking about the rules. The rebellious kids are always talking about the rules. The rules, the rules, the rules, the rules. Can't do this, can't do this. And I realize that, that the reason that rebellious kids are always talking about the rules is because rebellious kids always want to break the rules. How many of you been driving down the road, and let's say the speed limit is 65, and you're doing 60, and a cop pulls up beside you? How many of you, now, anytime there's a cop, you always think, okay, wait a minute, what's going on? But if you're doing 60 and a 65, and he's coming up pretty fast, and there's a car really fast in front of you, how many of you, you're kind of, okay, no problem, good, because you're keeping the rules. But how many of you may be like me, and maybe you might not be doing 65, and you see a cop in the mirror, and all of a sudden, you, you know why the rules bond you? Because you're breaking the rules. Breaking the rules. When you don't break the rules, the rules don't bother you. And here's the problem. You look at the rules as a negative, not a positive. You know, here's the deal. Watch this. Uh, <clears throat> Mr. Pence has a rule, our, our vice president has a rule, I will not be alone with a woman other than my wife. That's the same rule I have. That's the same rule Billy Graham had. That's a, that's a rule that a lot of us preachers have. We just won't be with a woman that's not our wife. Never be alone with a woman that's not our wife. Just a rule. We've had that rule since the day we got married. When a woman comes up to Mr. Pence and says, you molested me, Mr. Pence would say, that's impossible because you can never prove we were in a room together alone because I have a rule. All these other ones that have been accused and, and their worlds are destroyed and all that, they didn't have a rule. They didn't have a rule. And so now they, they lost their fortune. They, they're facing jail time. They've lost their credibility, all those things. See, Mr. Pence saw the value of a rule. He didn't see the negative. Oh, I, I just want to be with a woman. Why would you want to be with a woman that's not your wife without some kind of other person in there, just if, if there's nothing going on. See, the value of the rule is it protects. Let me give you an example. Um, we, we grew up on a little farm in Murfreesboro, and uh, we, had, we had cows and, and chickens, and all, it was just a lot of fun. It was daddy's therapy from the, from the ministry. And uh, the cows were in the fence, and as long as the cows stand in the fence, they got food, they got water, they got their shots, uh, they got taken care of, and everything was good. But every now and then, them stupid things would get out. And they think, oh, I'm getting out of the fence. This is great. And we go spend all day chasing them, getting them back, put in. You know, you know how many cows I've seen killed on the side of the road because they get hit by a truck? Animals get run over, dogs. I lost a good hunting dog, jumped off the leash one day and, and, and took off down the road. And I was chasing him, and I just watched it happen. Bam. Bam. See, the rules are not always to keep you from enjoying good. The rules are to keep bad from enjoying you. See, what God said to Adam was, Adam, this, this one tree you can't handle because, because this tree will give you something you are not able to handle. This, this, this would give you this, would give you this, this knowledge that, that would be too much in your state. You're a created being. You can't handle this. This is my tree alone. My tree alone. When Adam 
was given the rule, you'd think, now listen, I need to do everything I can because God only gave me one rule. We only have one rule. I, I need to do everything I can to make sure I'm guarding against that one rule. Adam couldn't handle one rule. And we, we've got a whole Bible here. And some of us read this book and we're like, you know what? Lord, there's, this is an area I need that rule. This area I need that rule. This area I need that rule. And others of us, we need one chapter and we've, too many rules. Too many do's. Too many don'ts. And what you don't realize is those do's and those don'ts are God's way of protecting you, providing for you, making a way for you. This, 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 when you love the Lord, His, His word's not grievous, not hard. But man, when you kick against this every day of your life, you are going to find that you are a miserable, empty, broken person. Adam had one rule. Here's what I wanted to get to. That was kind of like the introduction. Here's a sermon. No, I'm mean, short, short sermon, but that was the introduction. Look at verse 19. Have you ever thought about this? It's just a really un unbelievable thing. This is the four things that Adam had that we need. Number one, Adam had a role. Adam had a responsibility. Adam had a role. Now watch this. Verse 19, chapter 2. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam. Did y'all read that? Who brought them to Adam? Adam didn't bring them to God. God brought them to Adam. <clears throat> brought them to Adam to see. I mean, to see what he, Adam, would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help meet for him. Now, I, I know that later in the Eve part of this story, the Bible says that Adam and God would walk in the cool of the day. But this is before that. This is before Eve. And before Adam had a relationship. Has this ever struck you? Like maybe, maybe just the way I read it this week, I don't know. But before Eve, before the fall with Eve, and before Eve, God and Adam were friends. To the point where God would bring an, Adam, an animal to Adam and say, what do you think, Adam? Hippopotamus. God said, let it be hippopotamus. What do you think, Adam? Falcon. Falcon it is. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Yes, sir, God, it's pretty cool. Now, Adam, you know, you see this plant right here? Yes, sir. When I made that, I was thinking this. Adam, you ever look up in the stars? You see this, this, this is all the constellation. Adam, I did this, and here's why. Now, watch this, and here's... Adam, and there's no telling 
how long Adam and God spent together. I mean, just to name the Adams, by the time they get down to Duckbill Platypus, he's out of names. You know. Adam, the animals are going to do this because I designed that. Adam, this is going to happen this way because I created. Adam was. Adam was as close to knowing the mind of God. Adam was as close to knowing the heart of God as any man that's ever lived. I believe that with all my heart. Because every day they just hung out. Every day they just talked and and they talked about creation. They talked about the cosmos and and they talked about life. and, And maybe Adam talked about, really cool God, but maybe I need a help me. I, I, I cannot wait to find out all that Adam knew. Adam had a relationship that was intimate, that was on a first-name basis, that was, that was where God allowed Adam to make decisions. Relationships. Your relationship with a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife, a mother, father, a sister, brother, a son, or daughter, none of them will ever be what they ought to be unless your relationship with him is what it ought to be. You know why you're so out of bounds with your spouse right now? Because you're so out of bounds with him. You know why you're so out of bounds with the people around you? It's because you're so out of bounds with him. Say, preacher, I I want to get right with him. And if I get right with him, it'll get right with everybody else. Well, I can't promise that. I can't promise that if you get right with God, you'll get right with everybody else because you only control you. Remember point one, self-governance. You can be the best you and love the Lord, and your children still rebel. Wife, husband, still not do right. But you'll want to be right with God, especially, especially if things aren't right with others. The most important relationship that you deal with is not your husband, not your wife, not your boyfriend, not your girlfriend, not that listed someone somewhere out there. The most important relationship you have is the one where you walk with God on a daily basis. You know, I think if we sit down and, and of course, we get to heaven, we'll get the privilege at some point, sit down with Adam and say, Adam, tell me what it was like before. Oh, man, that garden. Maybe we'll get to see it. I don't know how God will allow us and what God allows us to see or not see. Oh, you should have seen it. I did not read Genesis 2, 4 through 14, but it's described the rivers and, and all the creation that God gave to Adam in there. It's just described. And, and it was literally uh, paradise. Man, the flowers, the trees, the animals, the snake before it was a snake. Say amen right there. I mean, all that... God gave Adam. But you know one thing that I think will come back, and I'm almost 100% sure, you know, none of that compares 
to when God would come and we'd walk in the garden together. You know what? This is my thought. Now listen, this is my thought, my thought only. I don't have any scripture for this. You know, God says it's not good. He's talking, of course, the triune God speaking to himself. Uh, and he says it's not good that man should be alone. Let's, let's give him a help meet. It's my thought, my thought only. When, when God realized how much Adam longed for his companionship and how much that companionship meant for God, God said, you know, it's not good that he's alone when I'm not around like this. Make him a helpmate. I believe, this is my opinion, totally my opinion. I believe that Eve was God's gift to Adam because of how close Adam and God were. This is my opinion. I believe that God saw man and his need for companionship. And that relationship was so intense between God and Adam that God said, I'll give him a help meet. Four roles, or four things. He had a role, he had a responsibility, he had a rule, and a relationship. Now, if I were preaching this in a couple of weeks at Single Vision Conference, I'd say, young ladies, don't ever date a man that doesn't have those four things. And if I were preaching that, I'd say, now, men, don't date a lady that doesn't have those four things. If you're looking for a, a person, don't find a person that doesn't have those four things. If he don't work before marriage, he won't work after. You've heard it all. If she don't take care of herself when dating, blah, 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 blah. But so many of us, we're already married. We're grandparents, many of us. We're down the road. The preacher, I want my family to matter. For your family to matter, you have to matter. And I would to God that husbands and wives would get right. Folks would get sober, get clean, get right. All the things that are wrong, I would to God we all got right. But if nobody gets right except you in your family, quit trying to fix him and quit trying to fix her. My wife says, as I said, Barry, don't nag me. Barry says, I wouldn't nag if you'd listen. She calls it help. I call it nagging. It's just a different approach. And, and, and that's what's so wonderful about a spouse is they can help you in areas of weakness and so on and so on. But when we focus on the you and the your, Preacher, I'm telling you, I'd be a good Christian if my wife... No, you wouldn't. Because, see, you could be a good Christian in spite of... Preacher, I'd be a good Christian if my husband would lead the way. Would to God that all our men would lead the way. But I've seen far too many strong Christian women who, because of abdication of a husband's responsibility, picked up the mantle of spiritual leadership and went on for God. You, you don't, you, I'd love it if he'd get right. I'd love it if she'd get right. I'd love it if the family would get right. But if nobody gets right, bless God, you and I ought to get right. It's the you and the your that matters. Father, this morning I pray. <clears throat> Lord, that it would be me 
and not Valerie. It would be me and not the boys. It would be me and not the girls. Lord, I pray the kids would pray that way for themselves and for Valerie's sake and so on and so forth. But God, I know this. I'm the only one that answers for me. And Lord, I know this. Individually, we answer for ourselves. Daddies have responsibilities. Mamas have responsibilities. Children have responsibilities. But in the end... I answer for me. There'll be no excuse worthy to be given before the king when the time comes. All the blame shifting and all the excuse making and all the reasons are going to pale and fail in comparison to what we know to do. Lord Jesus, I pray we'd run to you. You are everything. You're our hope. You're all we got. You're all we need. Lord, I pray we'd understand our roles, our responsibilities. Lord, the rules, husbands and wives, children, Christians, these are not grievous, not hard. These are just do's and don'ts that will keep us in the perfect will of God, protecting that valued relationship. The rules protect the relationship. We can live without the rules, but we can't live without a relationship, but we've got to have the rules to keep the relationship right. Lord, I pray today that somebody would get right with you. Go home, be a different you, be a different person. Heads up, but eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Brother John's going to lead us. You know this chorus. God speaks to you. God's speaking to your heart, not... What others need, what you need. Time of prayer, time of waiting. You need to pray with someone. Our team is available here. Folks are already coming, but you need to step out of your place and come, make decisions. Use the altar. Whatever it is, you step out. You come, Brother John. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in Heads and eyes are closed. Folks are praying. Good number of folks here at the altar. Heads and eyes are closed. Let me ask you a question. If you die today, do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you trusted Him, relied, relied upon Him, depended upon Him? The Bible declares it to be born again. Marvel not that I say that you must be born again. You hear this morning say, Brother Stan, so I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. I've never put my faith in Him. Never believe that he died on the cross, was buried, rose again the third day for my sin. 
Dear friend, that's the greatest decision. That's the most important decision. That's the only decision you'll ever make that matters for eternity. Whether or not you, a sinner, will receive Jesus as your Savior or not. If you're here this morning, you don't know for sure you'd go to heaven like the Bible tells you you can. But you'd be interested in that. I'd love to meet you here at the front. Brother Mike, Miss Susanna, others are available. We'll sing another verse. If you need to come, you step out of your place, you come. Other decisions, you step out, want to join our church. Present yourself for scriptural baptism, whatever need may be. This is your verse. You step out, you come. I'm so glad I learned to trust the precious Jesus Savior forever. That thou art with me, will be with me to the end. Let's sing now. Here we go. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. Ushers, won't you make your way down, be ready to receive the offering. Church family, you may be seated. Dr. Mills, you make your way over, receive our offering. Make a few announcements, be dismissed this morning. We are looking forward to a great time tonight, 6 o'clock, be back in your place. Old time preachers quartet, these are great guys, love the Lord, love to sing. And looking forward to being uh, in uh, our series on souls. Back tonight, I'm going to talk to you about you and your Decapolis, okay? And kind of continue that thought again this evening. Dr. Mills, you come. There are several things that the Word of God gives to us. Uh, we have a kind of a humbling uh, revelation for ourselves today. It comes out of the book of Deuteronomy, the Old Testament book, where God reminds his creation and says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto thy fathers as it is today. This is a very humbling revelation uh, because we like to think that we're under the, uh, the mistaken idea, the assumption that we have what we have because of hard work because of our own efforts, because of our own wise decisions. The fact is, we have what we have because God has enabled us. He's given us the abilities that we needed to get what we have. And so we come to this realization, and it makes perfect sense to us to faithfully give tithes and offerings based upon that revelation. God has made us who we are. God has given us what we have. And so we bring to him our tithes and our offerings in the way of honoring him for doing what he's done for us. Let's pray together. Our Father, as we commit our tithes and our offerings to you, we realize that uh, virtually nothing we have is by our own effort, but we thank you, Lord, 
for making a way, fulfilling your promise that if we would seek you, that all these things would be added unto us, and you've kept that promise. And so, Father, we bring our tithes and our offerings to you as a way of honoring you as, as part of our worship of you, as our way of saying thank you, God, for all that you provide and showing gratitude for the goodness of our God. We ask your blessing now upon the tithe and the offerings as they're given and upon those who's given. In Jesus' name, amen. You may pass the place, gentlemen. I want to uh, give you one announcement. We have been talking about our Sunday School and Leadership Seminar. We are going to postpone that seminar, which was scheduled for a week from Saturday, or scheduled for Saturday, uh, so that the choir can prepare for the Jubilee. And uh, we will reschedule that seminar uh, for our leadership and for our Sunday School a little bit later in the uh, springtime. But uh, we look forward to uh, Jubilee. And then a good to have Pastor back. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's not good enough. Isn't it good to have Preacher back in the house? Come on. Woo. He was going to have his feelings hurt if we didn't clap a little bit harder. All right. We've got some free ties in the front entrance by the swing. They were donated to Dale Davis, first come, first serve. I've heard there's even some Carlos Santana guitar ties. Choir practice today is at 5 o'clock in the back choir room. All right, come on early. We're going to have the quartet setting up in here. So choir practice, 5 o'clock today. Easter candy, please keep on bringing those. I appreciate everybody that's been doing that individualized. Um, just bring them so we can um, stuff them this Saturday into the eggs. This Saturday is a huge Saturday for us. Here's the deal. We have teacher training at what time? I didn't hear you. Were you did you just say that? Good. It's not this Saturday. I was just making sure that you knew what was going on and that good communication is coming out from the pulpit. Amen. Teacher training has been postponed this Saturday. What time is the, uh, the mass choir practice this Saturday? What time? We've opened that up to any active member of our church that doesn't even sing in our choir yet. That's scary, preacher. Are you coming? Okay. All right, that's this Saturday, 10 o'clock, followed by lunch. The Dorcas Local Missions Opportunity is egg stuffing right after that choir practice. This Saturday here, starting at 12, they did their cards right too. They're going to come for lunch, and then they're going to stuff the eggs, 12 to 1.30. Who can help out with that? Can you raise your hand? We actually want to see a hand. I have two, three, four, I don't know you, five, six. Seven, good. We need as many as we can come to do that this Saturday at noon, okay? Men's Advance, we haven't said much about that because it's the same week as uh, Jubilee. Tom sent me a text saying, because of Jubilee, we're only going Saturday morning the 13th. Sign up in the coffee shop, $35. Please don't forget Jubilee. Pastor, I would love three to 400 people traveling to Tampa, traveling to Brandon to go and support. Preacher, when are you preaching? One of those three nights, preacher is preaching. We want good communication coming out from this pulpit, all right? Don't forget our church app. 
and our Facebook. Also, if you're not on the one call, that's a phone call that preacher does about once every couple of weeks at this point. Uh, if you're not on the one call, please call the church office. Don't talk to Nicole when she's here on Sundays. Call the church office, all right, um, and get signed up for that. Preacher, I believe that is all we have. Oh, parking. One last thing. Just a reminder that across 78th in the insurance company parking lot, we can utilize the, that all day on Sundays. We'd like to encourage you, if you can, to please park over there to save room for our visitors and senior saints to be able to park over here. Someone say amen. amen. That's actually a closer walk than back in the gravel parking lot, so just kind of easier on you as well. And uh, we have a meeting coming up this week with our architect. We've got the design almost nailed down to, to present, so we're looking forward to that. And they're going to have a good meeting there, Lord willing, everything go well. Now, I think that's everything that I need to announce. Oh, wait a minute. That's not everything that I need to announce. Everybody, want to look at Nicole and Caleb? Na, na, na. It has been revealed to your pastor that Nicole and Caleb are expecting baby number three. My secretaries, Julie and, and, uh, and, and Nicole, they, they come in, they're like, Preacher, i got to tell you something. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. And because uh, I always give them a hard time about uh, missing work and all that, but just because I love them. So I told her that some people have those babies and get right back to work pretty quick, you know. So. All right. We all rejoice with Nicole and Caleb. They, their life has changed terribly quickly over the last couple of years with the children, and we rejoice. Keep praying for Miss Valley. She's doing good. Hopefully she'll see you soon. Let's all stand together. John, give us some traveling music, please. Shake hands. Fellowship, I love you. God bless you. We'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock.
Lord's the same soft and low. Hallelujah. I'm ready. I'm ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm ready to go. In the darkness of night, not a star was in sight on a highway that leads down below. But Jesus came in and saved my soul from sin. Hallelujah. I'm ready to go.
salvation for each trial that you face. I won't remove this thorn from you, oh, but this is what I'll do. I'll show you a better way, I'll give you grace. I'll show you a better way, I'll give you Continues to grow when I give it away So I'm gonna give it away I'm gonna give it away I'm gonna give it away The love of Jesus keeps getting stronger And I can't contain it any longer So I'm gonna take what I've been given as long as I'm living, I'm gonna give it away. This is a paradox, but I know that it's true. stronger and I can't contain it any longer so I'm gonna take what I've been given and give it away as long as I'm living I'm gonna give it away I'm gonna give it away stronger and I can't contain it any longer so I'm gonna take what I've been given and give it away as long as I'm living I'm gonna give it away so I'm gonna take what I've been given and give it away as long as I'm living I'm gonna give it away showing i want to be growing more like jesus and less like me lord when you saved my soul i was no prize i know you had to mold me and show me the way i'd been through time so bad lost all the joy i had now there is something i'm trying to say 
that I'm looking for, said the man who could find no room at the door. So they lured him down on a stretcher bed, and Jesus looked at him and said, All your sins are all now gone this day. Take up your bed and go your way. As he walked through the crowd, they Heard him declare, I can tell you all, there's a man in there. There's a man in here who turns water to wine, and he walks on the water and gives sight to the blind, and he gives back life to the ones that's dead, and he fed 5,000 with seven loaves of bread. There's a man in here who makes demons flee who makes cripples walk and has chosen even me for he lives in my heart and i have no fear i'm a better man cause there's a man in was tossed from side to side so they woke him up as the waves dashed high and said don't you care that we're about to die he said peace be still when the winds have laid he said where's your faith why were you so afraid when they saw that the sea was calm and clear they said thank you god there's a man in here there's a man in here who turns water to wine and he walks on the water and gives sight to the blind and he gives back life to the ones that's dead and he fed five thousand with seven loaves of bread there's a man in here who makes demons flee who makes cripples walk and has chosen even me for he lives in my heart and i have no fear i'm a better man cause there's a man in here i'm a better man cause there's a man in here Samson's victory over evil men. But the time would come when I would hear a message on the cross from Romans chapter 3, verse 23. 
That's the night that I was saved. And ever since that happy day, my Bible's made a blessed change in me. I've been in the book, in the book. and now the book is in me. Hidden in my heart, hidden in my heart to show me all that I should be. It's a light to my path, a light to my path, a guiding lamp unto my feet. I've been in the book, 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 and now the book is inside of me. God's words forever settled, ever old and ever new. Every verse, every passage, every line. I believe it all, front to back and through and through. And because I'm his, God's promises are mine, all mine. I've been in the book, and, in the book, and now the book is in me. Hidden in my heart, hidden in my heart to show me all that I should be. It's a lot to my in store in that city that's built on high where unkind words are never heard no more no tear will ever fill our eyes there you can roam and always feel at home where the weather is always fine and you can do anything you want to do and never have to worry about the time don't you want to go to that home on high where we live and never die sit down by the river of life linger just a little while Walk a little farther on down the streets of gold See Jesus and the saints of old Talk about the half that ain't been told Don't it make you want to go? The more I get to thinking about paradise The more it makes me want to go Jesus wrote my name in the book of life And his blood washed me white as snow Whenever I read God's holy word John the Revelator wrote it down I wonder how he must have felt When he saw New Jerusalem a-coming down Don't you want to go to that home on high Where we'll live and never die Sit down by the river of life Linger just a little while Walk a little farther on down the streets of gold See Jesus and the saints of old Talk about the half that ain't been told Don't it make you want to go? Don't you want to go to that home on high Where we'll live and never die Sit down by the river of life Linger just a little while Walk a little farther on down the streets of gold See Jesus and the saints of old Talk about the half that ain't been told Don't it make you want to go Talk about the half that ain't been told Don't it make you want to go Don't you want to go
his only son and whosoever believes in him will be in heaven when our days are done i'm so glad i know what i know and in whom i have believed the everlasting gospel saved my soul and gave me eternal Between two thieves One made fun Of God's only son But the other one He believed I'm so glad I know what I know And in whom I have Believed The everlasting gospel Saved my soul And gave me eternal Sometimes I'm 
rock of ages. I will have no fear, for he is near and he's holding to my hand. It's a pleasant place where I know I can face whatever Satan hurls about me. Yes, I know that I can stand the stones, cause on the rock I stand. I'm standing on the rock. Standing on the Oh, 
Storms and sending them to deserts barren and dry. 
with a coat of many colors, jealous brothers, you then weave a master plan. A scarlet thread, a name is Ben Shepherd King, a sacrifice. And by your saving plan, the line, the lamb, you came to die that we could have new life. You are busy placing crowns above the earth and painting rainbows in the Hello there. So, a couple of weeks ago,